Heather, your host. I'm back with another episode of the So She Slays podcast. And today I have Abby McGrew with me. She is the founder and creative director of Wayfarer Design Studios. She's joining from Spain. There are worse places to to, to be, I'm sure. <laughs> but I have to hype her up a little bit. You know, her, her business, some of her clients have been featured in the New York Times, Architectural Digest, on the Home Living Magazine, like Vogue and Goop. So girl, you've been everywhere. You've been doing it. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into today's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I run Wayfair Design Studio. We specialize in branding, packaging, web design, specifically for e-commerce um, product-based brands. And yeah, we just love working with thoughtful founders and um, really helping them build a heart-led brand experience. That's what we kind of um, call our approach and, you know, not just wanting to be trendy, but really be timeless um, and kind of lead with the values behind your product um, and your brand first. But of course, doing that through design. So yeah, that's oh uh, that's what we do. <laughs> I love that. And I love the fact that you're heart led because I feel like that's definitely needed. <laughs> I feel like it's needed. Um, but I also wanted to talk today about branding in general. So for the So She Slays, Slay Nation crowd listening, um, in, in, you know, I don't know if you know, Abby, but like Chauncey and I, Chauncey's our co-founder, we just launched um, Slay F Creative Studios. So we do a lot of, you know, social media, strategy, management, content creation, marketing, content, blog, like all down the list. Okay. Um, but I'm running into a lot of clients who don't necessarily have a very well thought out brand identity. And honestly, they don't even really see the need for one. Now, as creatives, uh, we definitely see the need for one because, <laughs> you know, we're a little lost without it. Um, so I really kind of want to talk about why you need a brand identity because, you know, people get paid lots of money to create one. Um, or you know, if you don't want to pay a lot of money to do it, like how do you, what should go in it? Like, what are the questions I should be asking myself in that? So let's, let's dive in first. What is a brand identity? Why do I need it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can look up, I'm sure there are lots of, you know, people who have given what they decided is their definition of like, what is a brand identity? And it might vary from person to person. I would say that a brand identity is a way of communicating what you want to be known for as a business um, and, you know, what the values or the unique benefits behind your service, your product are um, communicating that to the right people. It's just a, a visual way of, of doing that. Um, you know, without, at least with visual identity, without words, without having to say it, <laughs> you know, you um, through a tagline or through the business name. It. Yes. It's very subconscious because I feel like, I mean, think about some, a lot of the brands that, you know, products that you buy, um, what, what are things that, you know, if you're looking on a shelf, you notice which products seem to be a higher price point or seem to be like luxury versus the products that are budget friendly, you know, the cheap, <laughs> cheap, cheap and maybe not works. very good. <laughs> yeah. Right. There are visual 
clues within their brand identity, within their packaging design that are going to subconsciously make you make assumptions about their brand or their product. That's what branding does. It's, mm. it's giving people assumptions about who you are. And of course, as a business, if you can cause people to make the right assumptions, um, you know, the assumptions that you want them to make, if you want to be perceived as a luxury premium product um, that charges, you know, what you're wanting to <laughs> wanting people to pay for it, then being able to do that really well and effectively is extremely important, right? Um, so yeah, that's does that answer your question? Yeah, I feel no, like that's, that does. that's that how does. I would kind of boil it down. Yeah. And I think too, because I, I wanted to talk about this with you specifically too, you have your own design studio, but here's the thing. When I deal with customers who don't have a brand identity and we're supposed to be doing marketing for them or content creating for them and all that kind of stuff, I'm, and they hit me with words like, oh, we're a minimalist brand that does X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. Like I want a minimalist feel. I want it to feel like wellness. Okay, great. However, minimalist to me could mean very different things to you. So mm. what does minimalist look and feel like to you? <laughs> because mm -hmm. I can't sit here and guess. Um, I mean, I can, but I mean, it's just going to take longer. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so it's just, it, it doesn't really hit well. So that's why I'm always talking to clients. I was like, you, if you're going to start hiring somebody to start working in your brand yourself, especially when it comes to any sort of creative, anything or marketing, anything, you need a brand identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's also really like a, like a roadmap to every piece of your customer experience feeling cohesive and like consistent. Um, and as a result of that feeling more trustworthy, I think, cause that's where I, I think a lot of people, um, get stuck or, you know, start to kind of like go off the rails <laughs> a little bit um, when they don't have a brand identity in place, then they'll start to find like, okay, this week they were working on their newsletter marketing stuff. And they thought, you know what, I'm feeling like really like bold and stuff right now within the brand. So we're going to make all the newsletter graphics, like really bright colors, really bold fonts and stuff. And then maybe two weeks down the road, they start working on something else. Maybe they're like Instagram ads and they're like, ah, you know what? I think that we want to like fill more of a luxury, like high end <laughs> space in the market. And so then their Instagram stuff is all going to feel different from that. And, and that's where everything it's just, they're just kind of going off of what they're feeling in the moment when they're creating all these different pieces of their total customer experience and then it all feels disconnected and whenever things feel dis disconnected customers start to not recognize it as like part of the same business or they start to just get a little confused as far as like what's what's the message here <laughs> you know so yeah that's that's where not having something that is solid and like 
you're really, really confident in and, you know, is going to grow with you (laughs) wherever your business is going next. Yeah. That's where the inconsistency can, can start to really take over. Um, and of course that's not what anyone wants. No, I mean, you <laughs> don't go business. into, yeah, you don't go into business, like think, like expecting yourself to n- not be trustworthy or anything like that. Like that's not the way you want to come across. So now that we talked about the importance of having a brand identity, can we talk about what actually goes into one? Because I've seen so many different types of brand identities through the years. I mean, you can be so extensive or you can just be very like a one sheeter, right? Where you have your, Mm -hmm. your bare minimums. So let's talk really fast about like what goes into a brand identity. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever we work with people, um, the like essentials that we really want them to have, uh, we start the process by doing, we call it brand creative direction, um, you might also hear other terms be used for like that part, like brand strategy. Um, but yeah, just some kind of like written plan really for, you know, this is what we want to be known for as a business. These are, this is the personality that we want our business to have and like how we want to make people feel. This is who our audience is. You know, this is what we care about. This is what they care about. Outlining those things. And and you might have already done that if you've put together like a general business plan, you know, those kind of overlap a little bit, but we're more focusing on, okay, what are some of the design decisions that are going to align with these? Um, so we start with that because we don't want to just jump straight into browsing through Pinterest and pinning anything that we like because that's, again, where that inconsistency is maybe going to pop up because it's it's kind of like going on Pinterest and pinning everything under the sun, right, versus you have a written plan out of, okay, these are the thing. this is the type of personality that we want to convey through the brand. Um, These are the emotions that we want it to give. And then going on Pinterest and you kind of have like a way to filter out a bunch of the stuff that, yeah, this looks cool, but it doesn't really match with what I need, you know? Mm. Um, So I would say you've got to start with that. You've got to have that first, but then you get into the, you know, bare necessities, (laughs) I guess, of, of branding, having a primary logo um, which would have your business name. And then we always recommend for people to have at least one secondary logo. I think that's super important because especially if you have a very long business name, maybe it's not going to fit everywhere that you need it to fit. So you've got to have something else. Um, you know, even if it's just a monogram of like the first initial of your business name, or, or maybe it's an icon or, or something, but just something else that can be used at a smaller size and gives you a little bit of flexibility. So you're not just slapping the same logo on everything that you put out. Um, so yeah, brand direction, primary logo, secondary logo, and then color palette, um, some fonts that you're going to use across your website, your packaging, your social media or marketing. Uh, I would say that those are like the necessities that you really need that make up a brand identity. Of course, you can keep going from there. You can do patterns and illustrations and, um, you know, all sorts of other things. But those are the things that I think are most important for getting started. Yeah, agreed. And I think too, um, 
when we hop into like all the different things that you include in your in branding itself, I mean, like you said, it can it can go on for a while <laughs> if you really want to get down to the nitty gritties of things. Now, I know a lot of people get held up with like fonts and colors and imageries, and especially like as a content creator like myself, I actually really heavily rely. I mean, even my graphic designer that I work with too, I heavily rely on a brand identity to let me know the feeling and the types of imageries and all that kind of stuff that you're really wanting to use. Um, how do people even go about trying to create, you know, or, or you know what, we'll, we'll break it down even more. How, like, what are the type of questions that I should be asking myself if I'm trying to pick like fonts and colors and images because I feel like people can get really lost there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think great first question to ask is what are some words, adjectives that I want people to associate with my business? And then what are some words that I don't want people to associate with my business? I think that's um, something that can be really helpful for our clients a lot of times is not just thinking about, you know, okay, I want to be seen at, you know, I want to be minimal and like luxury and um, sustainable and like kind, but then also thinking, oh, but I, I want to be kind, but I don't want to be like playful or immature, mm -hmm. you know, like thinking of, okay, what are, what are some things that could be connected to those words, but maybe it's not what you want. The more specific that you can get, the easier it's going to be for you to find colors or fonts um, that align with what you need. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a good place to start. Yeah, start asking those questions. Like, I also too like sometimes when I'm talking to somebody, it's you know what are those words, right? Like, what do you want? Like, what do you want your product or you whatever it is that you're creating a brand identity for? Uh, to be known for, to know, like, I, I always want to like, kind of go back to like, what do you want? And what do you don't want? But also it's like, what, like, especially if it's a product, it's like, what do you want it to feel like? Mm -hmm. too? Um, Because I know that there's a lot of products out there. It's like, I, cause I was talking to somebody the other day about their product and, the, and like, you know, they didn't really have a clear identity for it. And I was just like, well, when it's like set across from all these other products, like what is going to make people want to pick up yours? How do you want them to feel? How do you want them to notice it? Is it going to be the color? Is it going to be the font? Is it going to be the bottle? Is it like, what's going to stick out? So, yeah. I mean, I just like, I, yeah, I can't, I can't stress enough about the questions that you could be asking. So I, I say what, like what your question was, which was say it again. Yeah. What are words that you want people to associate with your business and what are words that you don't want them to associate with your business? Exactly. And then for me, I always like if it's a product um, or even a service too, because if like I can think of like therapists and that kind of stuff or like coaches or whatever, like the colors that you're picking or whatever. It's just like, how do you want them to feel when, you know, mm -hmm. they're seeing, they're looking at your website or they're looking at your content on social media or something like that. So it's like, what, what do you want them to feel like are like two really, really good questions. I feel like, um, mm -hmm. help 
start this process. Now, I know that you and I, like, we can probably talk forever about colors. And (laughs) I mean, here's the thing is if you're not naturally a creative, you're probably not going to notice how colors affect you, Mm -hmm. but they do. And they're important. So let's kind of hop into like how you choose your brand's color palette. Yeah. Yeah. So of course, it's all going to tie back to some of those questions um, that we were asking at the beginning. And another um, question that we always ask that I think is also important and definitely ties into when we're choosing colors um, is what are the values that are driving your business? Um, Because those are definitely what we want to try to, you know, make come through the branding because now, I mean, people, especially nowadays, consumers are buying based on the values that they think companies, you know, really stand by, you know, things that are important to them, sustainability, um, you know, supporting like certain communities and yeah people are thinking about that when they are buying products. And so if we can make that come through the design, especially through the color somehow, that's going to be really important. So um, yeah, thinking about values and of course, whenever, and and I think kind of like what you had said before, um, talking about how someone feels, um, I think it's important to think about maybe how someone feels right now before they've worked with you or bought from you versus how they're going to feel afterwards. Um, I would say from a creative standpoint, we want the branding, the packaging, whatever to showcase how they want to feel after so that they can kind of get a sense of like what that transformation or what that end result is going to be. But it's also important to think about how they're feeling in the moment too, because your, um, your messaging can like speak to that in ways. Um, but yeah, let me bring it back to color. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but those are all so things important. that we're going to be thinking about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's still so important because the thing is, is like, I think people, I love the naivete because I think great because that gets us started, right? I I mean, I know me as a business owner, I mean, my naivete has gotten me in so many situations where I'm just like, let's do it. And then it's like, I get into it and I'm like, wow, this is a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, but I mean, it's good though, because sometimes I feel like the naivete of all of this kind of stuff is what you need in order to start, you know, on your new Mm -hmm. journey or new path or whatnot. But knowing your brand and how it should be coming across and the messaging and the things you want people to feel before and after all that kind of stuff. Like these are all solid questions that are going to save you so much headache, time, freaking money, like all this kind of stuff. It's going to save you if you make the decisions now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So I think especially focusing on that, how you want people to feel after, um, or like what what feeling they're looking for that's gonna like you know help get them out of this problem that they're experiencing. That's a lot of times the main thing that you're gonna focus on when searching for colors because colors make us feel different ways, whether you notice it or not. Um, but you know you can look up 
there's a lot of stuff about color psychology and, you know, what different colors represent, um, you know, purple has always been associated with like royalty in history. It's like a Royal color. Right. But that still can be true today. If you think about some brands, um, maybe that, you know, that use purple, um, but yeah, it can kind of gone from like royalty to being more like luxurious, maybe sometimes mysterious, like kind of a, like a different spin on like feminine sometimes. Um, yeah. Red is a very like exciting, energetic color, passionate color. Um, yellow is, you know, optimistic, happy, joyful. There's so, you can, you can look it up because you can read, there are books on this that you can read and <laughs> really dive deep, but you know, it's so interesting when you start to notice, um, some of the, like, you know, your favorite brands, you should, this can be your homework <laughs> after this is just think about, look up like what some of the meanings, psychology meanings behind different colors are, and then think about some of your favorite brands and realize, oh, wait, it totally makes sense that they would want to use a color that stands for happiness and joy. And like, that's why they used yellow. You know, you're, you're not noticing as a customer that that's what they were doing, but that's a hundred percent what they were doing when they chose that color, you know? Well, here's the thing, like you said in the beginning, it's all subconscious. You don't, unless you're really like looking for it, or you're making the conscious effort to look for things, all of this stuff is so subconscious, which is even more important because the thing is, is like, that's what's going to make the difference between like somebody liking, disliking, buying, not buying, all of that kind of stuff when it comes to whatever it is that you're putting this brand on. And my thing is like, I mean, you mentioned purple. So she slays purple is our main color. Like we have black and white accents or whatnot, but purple and different shades of purple are, are like, that's our, that's our color. We own, we own it. Um, and for the reasons that you stated for those <laughs> reasons and um it's interesting too that like I love the fact that you kind of went into what you're thinking subconsciously in all these colors so my thing is like okay so somebody's looking up what blue means what green means and all of this kind of stuff how do you then start finding these colors and like say you like the meaning of them but they don't exactly go together, or at least you wouldn't think mm. they would go together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think would be easy for like some, anyone who's like DIYing it is you could look up, uh, I have to think of name of one specifically. Um, there are apps that will like you put in one color and it'll like automatically generate yeah, look up like color palette generator or something. Um, there's an Adobe one, but you could use something like that if you're DIYing it um, where it'll, you know, you put in one color and it'll automatically generate other colors that maybe can go with it. Mm -hmm. um, that would be good. And you can just kind of like keep going through that until you find something that feels right. Uh, you could also look at from a, you know, creative's perspective, we might be looking at um, the color wheel <laughs> to try and find like what what color pairs might be good because there are some colors that are complementary to each other because if you look at a color color wheel where there's you know blue yellow orange everything on there 
colors that are like opposites of each other usually tend to go really well together, um, like blue and orange. Um, yeah, those are some ideas, but I think that just looking for examples, I think as many examples maybe as you can find of like that color being used and just kind of noticing maybe um, what other colors could be paired with it. But I think that like the, I don't know, looking at the color psychology behind each of those shades and, you know, maybe there are, you want to be, you want to come across as like calm and trusting which is something that people associate with blue but you also want to be warm and joyful so there you might mix blue with some yellow or with some orange um you can kind of go based off of that first I think but yeah I don't know if that's helpful it's hard and it's even hard like for for me as a designer you know I could spend hours trying to like piece together you know the color palettes that that feel the best but I would say if you're DIYing, using one of those like color palette generators is probably going to be your best bet to like not lose your mind <laughs> over like searching you, through you, but here's the endless thing. inspiration. Like, you're going to get, you can get so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing too, and, you know, maybe you can speak to this as a creative and as, you know, an, a designer and, and studio owner. There's a lot of people who can put together brand identities and all that kind of stuff. What are some key factors? Like if you're looking to outsource this, how do I know which person or which studio, what company is right for me? Like how how do Mm -hmm. I know that? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people tend to gravitate towards designers who have worked with businesses like theirs before. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that that's necessarily what you have to do because of course designers are very flexible, like just because they haven't worked with, you know, someone in your exact industry before does not mean that they're not capable. Um, But that does seem to be what a lot of people base their search on because it feels a bit less risky for them. They want to, because they want to be able to see an example in their portfolio, right? If you're starting a skincare business, you want to find a designer who's worked with a skincare business before. So you can see, okay, this is what they did for this other skincare business. I know that they're going to be able to do, you know, the packaging and and stuff that I specifically need. Um, Another thing that I think you should be looking for is yeah, their style. Like some designers, um, have a specific style that they might tend to work in. Some designers use lots of color in their work. And if that's something that you're really wanting, if you want to be, you know, this very bold, colorful, um, you know, bright brand, that might be something to look for. Do they use a lot of color usually in their work? Um, some people are like very feminine feeling brands, very like illustrative. Some people are maybe more minimal. I feel like I'm, (laughs) I would say my style changes a little bit. I really, I don't try to stick to one style (laughs) too much because I would get bored. I think that way. Um, I really try to like creative, right. A true creative. (laughs) 
I like yeah, it. <laughs> I, I really, I do try to tailor our work to each client a little bit, but overall I would say that our style is like maybe in the more minimal direction, definitely more like elevated, um, maybe like slightly feminine, but yeah, look for a designer that of course has, if you have a specific style in mind, you want to try to find people. Cause if you try to reach out to people, let's say you find someone that has a lower budget that you like, but their style is not at all really what you're looking for. It's not going to be worth your time to work with that person because, you know, it, it's hard to get a creative to work very far outside of the style that they are used to, you know? So yeah. And yeah, I would just look at experience as well. You know, how many years have they been doing it? Um, I think that's always a good thing to pay attention to. Yes. And I'm going to definitely like double down on the style because the thing is, is it's like, I mean, they're artists and they're creatives for, a, you know, a reason and they love the type of work that they're doing. So they know it really well. So it's like, you're not going to ask for, for all intensive purposes, just as an example, you're not going to ask a realist painter to go and do something abstract because that mm-hmm. is just not their cup of tea. That's not their jam. They don't do that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> the same the same type of principle applies to like when you're working with someone who's going to help you create this identity for your brand and, and things that you're going to, you know, want. You're going to want somebody in the same style that you're that you're really wanting to kind of bring forth and communicate to the people who are going to purchase, work with, whatever with you for this brand. Um, to kind of wrap up this podcast a little bit, what I always like to leave like words of wisdom or like action items and all this kind of stuff. If we're going to we're going to break it into two things. If I am DIYing this and I'm not quite ready to outsource, but I know I need a little something just for some direction. What are some top things that I should do first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say write out that like plan. <laughs> Don't just immediately dive into Pinterest or, you know, searching online because it's really, it's, it's going to become massive a mess and it's and it's going to make you more overwhelmed than you need to be. I think that if you're DIYing, especially if you're getting started, simple is going to be the best direction that you could go in because simple can easily be built on later in the future. And especially if you're, you know, creating a product or, you know, you're starting to like attract customers or clients or whoever, um if you know this is just a temporary brand, it's just a DIY for now until I can like work with someone in the future, you don't necessarily want to build too much recognition maybe with like this brand if you end up working with someone in the future. And and if you like, I don't know, if you do something kind of crazy and like complicated and and messy in the beginning I feel like it's gonna be more difficult to like take that apart and rebuild it later (laughs) so yeah starting simple is best I feel like you don't need to 
you don't need to learn how to be a designer on your own, I guess is what I'm getting to. Like, you don't, you don't have to wear that hat. You can find a nice font online that, you know, looks, however you're wanting to come across that looks, you know, high end or looks friendly or, you know, looks, um, confident, just pick a nice font, use that as your logo, you know, use a simple color palette. Yeah. Just don't, don't think that you need to hand draw a bunch of illustrations yourself. If you don't feel confident doing that, it's, it's okay. You can start a business with a very simple brand. As long as your messaging is clear, I feel like if, if you're having to DIY your brand, your messaging is what you should focus on more. The brand can be simple, but if you have a clear tagline and like your, yeah, the language that you're using to talk to people is very direct, that's going to help you more than like spending a bunch of time trying to hand draw a, a logo that then maybe, you know, a month from now you're like, oh, why did I do this? This looks really awful. Um, yeah, that's my best advice. Oh my <laughs> you know, no, no, no. I, I get it. I get it. And the thing is, is it's so easy to be, to, you know, when you're DIYing, it, it's very easy to get overwhelmed and it's very easy to feel like you have to figure it all out on your own. You don't have to do that. <laughs> so hearing it straight from your mouth, everyone, you don't have to do that. My other question for you is those that are looking to outsource this, what do they need to come to the table with? Mm -hmm. I think that you just need to know what the values are behind your brand, like what you want to be known for, like what makes you unique. You know, if you don't know that yet, that it's going to be difficult to build a brand around it because um, then you might accidentally build it around the wrong things. Um, and you need to know who your audience is for sure. You've got to know who your customer is if you don't know anything about them. And that's fine because we've had people come to us who, you know, they want to build a beautiful, you know, really unique brand, but they haven't launched their product yet. And even though they have an idea of maybe who their customer might be, they haven't done a bunch of, they haven't even done like a lot of testing with the product before launching. So, you know, they're kind of like, yeah, this is who we think is going to buy this, but honestly, we're not totally sure. That's, that's hard. You know, whenever you're building the brand, you really need to know who, who you're speaking to so that you can make things more focused around them. So yeah, I would say those are, those are the things that, that you really need and your business name. You got to have your business name, <laughs> which is maybe That's sounds a like a no brainer, but there are people who will come to us who don't have a business name. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. So that kind of leads me to this question though. When is the time to come to people like you? I you know, it's funny because we will work with people who have not launched yet, but who are ready because they've had this idea for years. They've thought about it so much. So like they have a very clear vision, even though they haven't launched yet. And, and, you know, that can be a good time too. Um, but I think for a lot of people, we'll work with them around the like three to five years into having their business, maybe a little bit earlier, um, just depends, but that seems to be kind of the sweet spot. You know, after three years, it's like you launched your business and you, 
you know, had things kind of simple in the beginning and weren't maybe weren't quite sure like where the business was going to go. But after about three years, it's like, okay, I used to have this product. It didn't work for me. Now I'm so clear on like, this is what I'm selling. This is who's buying it. This is what I want to do next. You know, that, that next big step that I want to take, whether it's adding a new product line or, you know, opening stores or getting a bigger brand partnership or stockist or whatever. That's kind of the point. I feel like where they're, they realized, okay, the branding I did in year one, it does not match who I am now um, or who I want to be in the future. And that's when it's a really good time to to work with someone like us. Oh my gosh. Your brand can change. It can evolve. So just because you put something together and your bare DIY minimums doesn't mean you got to stay there. So <laughs> um, Abby, where can people follow, get a hold of you, all that jazz? Yeah. So mostly active on Instagram. So at Wayfarer Design Studio, um, you can follow us there. Uh, see examples of our work. And we also share lots of um, fun uh, branding advice. Right now, we're actually doing a color series where we're talking about color psychology stuff. So if you want to follow along um, for that, it's uh, been really fun to put together and show like examples of pairings, but um, also can go to our website. Uh, We actually have a page on our website with like free resources for um, founders and stuff. You know, if you're um, doing the DIY branding stuff, we have some resources for that. Um, Or setting up a website on Shopify. We have some things there. So that's wayfarerdesignstudio.com slash resources. And you can find um, all of that there. Oh my gosh. And also to Slay Nation, if you want to sign up for the So She Slays newsletter, we actually will include everything that Abby just said. We'll include that all in one spot so that you don't have to go digging because efficiency, you know, your girl loves it. Uh, <laughs> we're here. We're about it. Um, let me know like what your thoughts are to Slay Nation on, on what Abby just talked about too. I know there's a lot of you out there who are starting your business and it, I can tell it can feel very overwhelming. I mean, been there, done that. I'm sure Abby, you yourself been there, done that. Uh, so we're here as a resource. We're obviously interviewing people to help you try and make these decisions. So let us know how it goes. Hop into the comments on our IG or wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast. And until next time, Slay Nation, we'll catch you later. Thanks, Abby. Thank you so much. Bye.